Hey guys, what's up? It's Greg. Here is another installment of Flick City for Cinematics. This is actually a big news week. First off, right off the top, not not going to bury the lead. The interviews for this installment are with actor Kyle Gallner for his he's promoting the release of his movie Smile. The horror thriller has already made over two hundred million dollars globally. Okay, so it's a big hit for Paramount. It's currently streaming as we speak on Paramount Plus. Go see it. Stat. Okay, immediately tell us what you think of Smile. I really loved it. Five out of five for me. Our buddy Eric Holmes, he also enjoyed it as well. And Bruce Berkey has his own thoughts on the movie. He was not a big fan, but I'm not a big fan of Bruce Berkey either. But um, just stupid joke by, by me. But anyways, me, Bruce Berkey, Eric Holmes, and Anderson Count especially, we all love Gallner's previous film, Dinner in America. And that is currently streaming on Hulu. So we talks during, during our interview, he talks about Smile, first and foremost. And then he also talks about the, pop, the growing popularity and the struggles to actually get dinner in America made. So it's a really good interview with Gallner. I am also a city slicker. I, I look, I can't even go, go to my backyard because there's a thing called nature and insects and life out there. I am perfect. I'm perfectly fine with a computer, iPad screen, TV screen, and watching like a hermit movies and TV shows and playing video games. I may never leave the house. I, I joke about it on cinematics and find your film and all that stuff, but a big part of it is true. So I asked Gallner about living out in, in nature. He's, I believe the term is he's a homesteader with his family. And so there's some really life questions I, I, I ask Gallner during the interview as well. Very huge cinephile Gallner is, and I really love his movies. So he mentions, he also gives a brief shout out to one of his previous movies, Band of Robbers, another movie that I, actually, Band of Robbers was the one movie that got me, you know, Gallner on like my radar years back. So really, I really want to rewatch Band of Robbers down the road when I have time, but he also recommends that movie from his extensive resume of films to watch along with Smile and Dinner in America. So that is the first interview with Gall- is with Gallner. The second interview is with director Mark Pellington. He is the filmmaker behind one of my all-time favorite. Well, is it all-time favorite? One of oh, easily. I'm trying to think. Top three, top one, top two. Arlington Friggin' Road. It's not called the Arlington Friggin' Road. It's called Arlington Road with Jeff Bridges and Tim Robbins and Hope Davis. I'm just going by memory right now. I believe it's currently streaming on Stars. If not, go to Just Watch and figure out where Arlington Road is streaming. It is a fantastic movie. It will catch you unawares. And it's really, it's a movie that is actually very, it's not a dated film. And the ending will leave you in it'll leave you speechless. It's a great, great movie. Now, we briefly talk about that, but that's not in the main interview. That'll be for our Patreon down the road down the road when I put it up there. But the meat of the interview is his discussion of his movie Going All the Way. And it's a director's cut of Going All the Way. All right. And this hold on one second. Okay, I'm back. Uh, Going All the Way, the director's edit. It's based on the original movie is based on a Dan Wakefield novel. Now What's interesting about Going All the Way is I actually watched it years ago when it first came out. And it's it's headlined by Jeremy Davies and Ben Affleck, Leslie Ann Warren's in it, Jill Clayburgh. I should have asked him about Jill Clayburgh during the interview. It's a 1997 film, which back in the day, I really enjoyed. I alluded to that during the interview. It was, it was a really heartwarming, interesting coming-of-age story about, quote-unquote, Going All the Way. Now, now there's 
some 40 plus minutes added to this director's cut from Mark Pellington, and it was a much richer experience this time around. Back then, I was in my mid to late 20s. Now at 51, there's a lot of other just valued material, which I appreciated regarding going all the way the director's cut. It's the movie right now. It's the, it's called, it's not called the director's cut. It's called going all the way. My bad. The director going all the way. The director's edit. Sorry for all the stumbling and mumbling directed by Mark Punting. Also, it features some excellent work from Rachel Weiss, young Rachel Weiss, um, Amy Locaine, Rose McGowan, Nick Offerman. Yeah, really good. And it premiered in 97 at the Sundance Film Festival. This is a huge recommendation for me, especially if you like really lived in coming of age narratives. And Jeremy Davis, one of, I think, well, 97, right? The last 25 years. I wish there with Jeremy Davis actually was in more movies as the lead and he's perfect in this film. So I'm going to leave a show, show uh, notes where regarding where you can actually catch the movie. Hold on one second again. Okay, so the, this Pellington interview is very timely because on November 17th in Los Angeles at the Langley Royal, Pellington will be in attendance along with co-star, going all the way co-star Nick Offerman. It's funny, when you when you look at Nick Offerman, he has a small role in this director's edit. He's one of um, Ben Affleck's friends from back in the day, I, I believe, in, in the movie. And he looks completely different, oh, kind of slightly the same, but he looks very, very young. Of course, this is 97. So it's great that Nick Offerman and Pellington will be in attendance at the Lamley Royal showing on November 17th of Going All The Way. I will leave a link where you can see Going All The Way, the director's edit as it rolls out to, to select cities down the road. Okay, so just check out that link to know more about that movie. But it's a very in-depth conversation with Pellington. Midstream, I asked him about if he wants to host his own podcast. And that wasn't me trying to compliment him and et cetera, et cetera. I really, I've listened to him in previous podcasts, and he's very well-spoken. He has a huge archive of material from his days back in MTV doing music videos there. I mean, just look up, just look him up on IMDb. I believe he directed that PM Don track music video for Set Adrift and Memory Bliss, one of my all-time favorite songs. But yeah, he's done a lot of work on the music video field before transitioning over to directing movies. So yeah, he'd be a great podcaster as far as, I don't know, you could, whether it's doing some kind of recap on his own work, interviewing other filmmakers, giving advice on cinema and how to direct or just memories from working with so many. I mean, look at this, going all the way. He could do one entire podcast on his memories of working with Jill freaking Clayburgh. She's That's a legend right there, as well as Leslie Ann Warren. There's a lot of stories he can tell. So I, I pitched that to a midstream in the interview, and you'll, you'll hear it, not as a way to compliment him. I honestly feel that if there was a Mark Pellington-driven podcast, I would subscribe to it and rate it immediately. We'd love to hear if you have going going all the way, the director's edit, if it's playing around your respective city, track it down, check it out. It's a, again, very lived in narrative on coming of age. It has its share of heartache and the ending of the movie. I don't remember the ending. I didn't remember the ending the first time around when I saw it back in 97, but it really hits home now, even though it is about the story about a young military vet coming home. No, this is actually the ending of going all the way to the director's edit really spoke to me as a 51 year old and it's a universal theme, but it's, I really loved the, the way this movie works and it ends 
and what it has to address. So I really love going all the way, the director's edit. So again, first up is Kyle Gallner. Gallner. Next up is Mark Pellington. Finally, for cinematics, Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes, my buddies over at Find Your Film Podcast. We are closing that podcast feed up. And Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky will be joining me and Anderson as part of the cinematics. They've already done this the last year, year and a half, as far as doing interviews, guest hosting interviews at the top of the month, as you guys know. But Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky, they have their own aesthetic. If you haven't listened to our Find Your Film podcast, they like covering cinema in their own specific way. Bruce loves doing these mini reviews on movies and that can really expand our movie coverage. And Eric Holmes loves doing interviews just like I do. And he loves doing these cinematic hangouts with filmmakers and fellow podcasters and friends. So you're going to see a more varied level of coverage on our cinematics podcast feed. And my ultimate goal is to actually live out what Anderson, why Anderson wanted to create cinematics. The first time I met, the first time we actually started talking about it back in late 2015. And I specifically remember him saying he wants cinematics at its base to be more than just a podcast. In fact, I'm sure as Anderson's listening to this somewhere out there, maybe in, in I don't know where, if he's in Iceland or the other side, the far reaches of the world. But I remember him saying, I, I don't want to just call cinematics a podcast. Even back in 2015 or 2016, he had bigger plans as far as the movie coverage for cinematics. So maybe with Bruce and Eric on board full time, we can actually do this movie coverage the right way with all four of us hands on deck. Okay. Couple way, couple of things that what does that mean for you guys? The most important part of this, el- this element as our fellow listeners and subscribers and fellow cinephiles, you'll get more movie coverage on our cinematics podcast feed. Okay. Anderson is still going to be doing the once a month episode with me middle of the month, but then he might be joined with Bruce and Eric middle of the month as well. And who knows, maybe we'll have some extra Anderson material out every month. And then we're going back to our, we're going to have a weekly cinematic show. So it's not just going to be two episodes per month previewing the month. We're actually going to be like the original cinematics podcast. We will be reviewing movies that are coming out on the respective Fridays. Mm-hmm. So more episodes on that level. And then obviously you're going to get my Flick City interviews. Eric is doing interviews as well. And down the line, Anderson has expressed interest in doing interviews and Bruce Perky is an expert at doing interviews as well. So a lot more movie coverage. All of this stuff will be housed on our podcast feed number one here in cinematics, my website, which is deepest dream, deepestdream.com and our YouTube channel, which is Deepest Dream. I know those two big words are cinematics and Deepest Dream, but FYI, Deepest Dream YouTube channel and our Deepest Dream website, I'm making sure all of us are getting, I mean, Anderson and Bruce and and Eric are getting a cut as well from the website. So if you want to support us, support us here on the podcast feed like you guys usually do. Thank you so much for listening. But also if you want the video elements or different movie coverage elements, check out our deepestdream.com website, where we're going to house a lot of the cinematics coverage, as well as our Deepest Dream YouTube channel. Finally, with more people on board and streamlining, find your film into cinematics. That's great that we're going to have a sort of one place to for our movie coverage. And that means I'm thinking more on the website, I'll be posting up more trailers, more Blu-ray reviews and DVD giveaways and all that's just a lot more movie stuff covered within the cinematics purview world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Before it was a two person operation with me and Anderson, but now with me and Eric, I mean with, um, not me and Eric, with Bruce and Eric, my bad on that. There's just going to be a lot more stuff for you guys to listen to, to consume and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. I'm going to shut up now. Kyle Gallner first, 
and then Mark Ponting. Track down Smile on Paramount Plus. Track down. Track down. Dinner in America on Hulu. Like Anderson said, it's one of his favorite movies within the last several years. And Dinner in America for me this year, I saw it this year. Top 10 for me. And I love Smile. Five out of five. So that and number two, Track down Going All the Way, the director's edit from Mark Pellington. Again, all those notes on where to find it will be in our cinematic show notes. I'm going to, yes, I said I was going to shut up about 30 seconds ago. Shutting up right now. Here's Colner. Kyle, first of all, smile several days ago, the big news. I, I mean, I mean, you and I are cinephiles. We don't like to talk about money and gro- box office grosses. We're true diehard movie fans. I remember that. But <laughs> let's just get to the, the brass tacks. 200 million global. What does that mean to you, not just as a cinephile, but just, I guess I hate to say it, in the business side of things, and maybe the creative side of things. It must be very inspirational to you in that people love this film so much. Yeah, I mean, it's a really it's a really cool thing. You know, we're in a time right now where things like this don't happen as often as they used to. You know what I mean? Like, it's sort of like a lightning in a bottle moment. Um you know, some of the sure things in, in this climate right now are superhero movies. Those always do well. And then um, horror movies, you know, they tend to do well. But to have something like this, you know, following on on the tail of something like Barbarian and, and a bunch of other great horror films this year, it's just showing a really great pattern and 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 you know hopefully the studios are watching and paying attention and realizing that people want more you know theatrical horror films and you know this doesn't have to be such an anomaly like we can really you know make stuff that people want to watch and that people are going back to the theaters and it's just really exciting to be a part of i mean especially for a film that was never even supposed to go to theaters you know i mean it was it was made for paramount tv amazing that's amazing yeah you know i I, maybe i'm overstating the point but i remember you know movies from the 70s they reflected the times people were paranoid understandably because of the politics but do you do you think of great grade a films like smile or barbarian they help people there's a reason why horror films terrifier 2 are are doing so well today because in a i guess in a layered way it's a way for people not just to be entertained but to process their own how they handle their own personal traumas you know, or is that overstating the point? No, I don't think you're overstating the point. I think I think that's definitely film dependent, right? You know, I mean, I mean, there's 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 certain things that obviously deal with like psychological horror or or um, trauma or um, you know family issues or or things like that. You know, and that that's genre to genre. You know, you'll have that in drama, you'll have that in even comedies and things like that. I think. I think horror is is an interesting thing because, you know, you're already some of this stuff, you're already living in the darkness. And then, you know, these movies help you dive into that in a way, you know, it's already the films already live in this darkness as well. So I think people are, you know, I think there's a, there's much more of a relatable thing to horror than I think maybe was, I don't even, I don't even want to say that. Cause I don't know if that's necessarily true that people didn't give it that kind of credit. I just, I just think, if we, if we want to talk like industry wise, I think there's the genre is finally be ex- being accepted in a different way. It's not being seen as this kind of like thing on the outskirts, you know, where like people love the genre, but it was always sort of like kept, you know, kept on, on the sidelines. Like back when I did like nightmare on Elm street, it was one of those things 
even Jennifer's body or like haunting Connecticut. Even it was one of those things where it was like, Hey, cool. You were in a movie, but people didn't give her really the, the clout that it has now. Um, that went off track, but <laughs> no, no into, into a different, into a different thing. But, you know, to get back to your point, I, I do think, I do think help, you know, horror is a way for people to sort of, I don't know, maybe face down their own demons or just, you know, relate to something that's going on with them or even just to be entertained. I mean, realistically, laughter and fear are not that far apart. You know what I mean? So yeah there's an entertainment factor. People like to be scared, you know, whether that's just to take them away from the world for two hours or to just enjoy, you know, enjoy the moment, or maybe it does dig into something deeper. I, you know, I think that's a case by case basis for each person individually, for sure. You know, I don't think you can blanket statements, something like that, but I do, I would imagine that there are circumstances where, horror films do allow people to sort of put themselves into a place and evaluate some of these things that are going on in their lives. Yeah. Is Parker Finn's attention to detail, was that one of his biggest strengths during production from your vantage point? Because there's no wasted shot, it seems, in Smile, no obligatory shot. It's so beautifully composed. And even just a a relative cameo, he gets the best, one of the best actors of our generation in Rob Morgan. Every little ingredient to this movie, in my opinion, really works. Did you see that in him as far as a strength as a director? Yes. Parker is very smart. Um, he's a clever dude, smart guy, talented guy. He uh, is extremely detail-oriented and he really knows what he wants, um, which is great, you know, because he's already got the whole, you know, picture painted. I mean, we, he sat me down when I first got to Jersey and sat me down in his car and played me a bunch of the score before they had even put a single frame on, you know, on camp. Um, he really, you know, had, had a vision for this thing. And it's, and it's extremely helpful when you have somebody who operates like that and it comes through in the final product. I mean, even just the little things like, the sound design for opening up a cat food jar, you know, that, that, and the, and the thing is I say that and everybody who's seen the movie will go, I know exactly what you're talking about because just those little moments, you're like, ah, you know, it kind of, it, it gets to you. And he, um, he's really good with that stuff. And I would say it's absolutely a strength of, of his, um, you know, because there's no, like you said, there's nothing wasted. It's not, it's not like these muddy waters. It's a very thought out, specific, detail oriented film. Yeah, I, you know, I'm sure you've been getting asses from by a lot of journalists. But are you open to a sequel? And or is this such a special one off that hey, you just got to keep that in the bottle? Where do where do you stand you know, as of this moment? Yeah, you know, it's it's I. I mean, look, you want to call me up and toss me a sequel? I'm more than happy to come and play. <laughs> like, let's go. I'll absolutely. I would. I think it's a universe that can definitely be um, expanded. I think the important thing is you don't want to just make the same movie five times. You know what I mean? And how do you make it interesting and continue, you know, continue the story? What I think is potentially cool i know there's a million different directions they could go but i think what could be potentially cool is if a sequel does pick up 
like say with Joel and maybe even one or two of the other characters, it's kind of cool to jump right in to a film that's already established the rules. Things are already moving. And you're like, how do we solve this? I think that could be a unique take on it. I mean, you know, that's just me speculating. It, it, there's there's all different kinds of things they can do. I know, I don't know anything about a sequel, but I I I know the studio is very happy and pleased with how it performed. So I don't think they want to rush into anything because, you know, just like me and everybody else, like you don't want to just make a generic sequel. You know what I mean? You don't want to just throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks just because the first one did great. Um, so, you know, I would hope they would take their time and, and everybody, if it does turn into a sequel, you know, they make it the best it could possibly be. Speaking of the best that it could possibly be is my podcast partner and very good friend, Anderson Cowan. He cites dinner in America as one of the best, best films he's seen in years. Oh, wow. uh, two movies that he loves. He like, he loves the butcher boy, Buffalo 66. And for my personal knowledge, well, there you go. dinner, in, right. There you go. Dinner in America is right up there. Probably going to be in his garage wall as far as the poster goes. Okay. A, A, is he off base? Obviously, I know what your answer is. And B, what is what has been the reception like now that it's streaming? It must be such an overwhelming experience just getting fellow cinephiles to get back to you. Um, I don't think he's off base. I think the movie's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I really do love this movie a lot, and I I loved playing Simon. I think Emily Skeggs as Patty is is so special. I think. Um, Adam, who directed it and edited it and wrote it, you know, he, he knocked it out of the park. My boy, JP, who shot it, you know, he did an amazing job. It really was just like a, a big labor of love. And it has been nothing but an uphill battle getting this movie into the world. I mean, it has been like a struggle for two, over two years now, um, so to finally have it out in the world is is kind of a little bittersweet because those two years it was playing festivals and you know bouncing around and it was almost like this dirty little secret of like oh I got to see that you know whereas like not everybody got to and and it was sort of like the movie that like well not everybody got to see it because it's like fucked up and people don't want <laughs> you know and it's not going mainstream so it was kind of like this cool little punk rock secret i mean you know the vimeo link that's supposed to be just for like reps or random people to watch it was supposed to be like the quiet link you know was up to something like two thousand plus views of everybody just handing it around because everybody wanted to see it but nobody wanted to buy it Nobody wanted to take that risk and be the one who put it out. So it was like we had to prove ourselves at every turn, every single turn, winning awards, playing all these festivals, showing that like this release was going to be worth it and people were going to buy it on digital and buy the Blu-rays. I mean, we were we were in the top 10 charts on iTunes for like a month for like an indie film that's really wild, you know? Um, so now that it's on Hulu, it's, it's nice. It's like I said, it's bittersweet because it's done now. There's nothing else to be done. You know, it it was so alive and lived in us for so long of like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen that now that it's like done, it's a little sad for me, but like also, you know, it's great. I, I really hope people are watching it and enjoying it and, 
I have gotten a lot of very nice messages from uh, people who've seen it and fellow filmmakers and, and actors and, and things like that. So that's, that's been exciting. You just, you just never want it to fall into the digital graveyard, you know, where it just, it's on there and then it's just buried. So I hope people keep finding it. I hope people keep watching it. I really do think it's a special film and, you know, I think it's one of those things that it could catch fire, you know, if people really start watching it, but we'll, we'll see, you know, if it doesn't, I just hope it finds the right people at the right time. And those people love it for what it is. Our final two questions. First off, yeah, hit me. you've, uh, you've, sp- you've spent some time living in cities uh, like, like Los Angeles, I'm, I'm assuming. And, yeah. you know, I, I wonder what do there, there are city slickers like me who might spend the rest of their lives closed up in some kind of century city condo overlooking Olympic Boulevard and never venture out into, uh, into the outdoors. They, yeah. maybe, the, maybe their version of it is watching Homestead Rescue on their, on television or something. <laughs> what are, sure. what are people, what are people like me missing from that life where, as opposed to living in amidst concrete and air conditioning? What, like the life I live? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, I mean, I'm literally like heating my house with my stove right now. <laughs> um, look, I think there's people that thrive in the city. I think there's people that thrive in all different environments. Um, I do think, I do think there is a connection to nature that over time has been lost. Um, and I do think a connection to the outdoors and to nature is very important. I mean, even if it's just taking your shoes off and walking in the grass for a minute, you know what I mean? There's a, there's a feeling you get and a peace you get. And there's something very primal and something very old about, you know, it's, 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 it's where we came from. You know what I mean? So we have a connection. We have a connection to nature, whether we, you know, whether you like being outside or not. I mean, it's, it's in us. And, and, and it's for me personally, it's where I feel the most at peace. It's where I feel the calmest. It's where I can really slow down. And it was a very healthy move for me in terms of my mental and physical well-being. Um, you know, fresh air and sunshine. I mean, it's it's tough to beat. I would say even if you love a city, just, you know, get out and take a walk. You know, if you if you can, if you're able-bodied and you can do these things, like, get outside, get a little fresh air. But I mean, it's an amazing, I've been in places that you have to work for. You know what I mean? You can't drive there. You can't, there's no parking lot at the end of the road and you get to see some beautiful, amazing, incredible places just by stepping outside. Um, so for me personally, it's a, it's a, it's a very important part of my life. And, um, it's something I love very much. I love the hard work that comes with living in a place like this as well. There's always work to be done. Um, and for me, it's, it's a better way of living for me. It's not to say it's better than your air conditioned condo. <laughs> Cause <laughs> it, I'll tell it you is what, better. It is better. No, <laughs> come summertime. I don't have air conditioning. It's hot as shit. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I do miss the air conditioning. You know, there's trade-offs, there's trade-offs to everything, but, but also like, I love a week in the city. I love spending some time getting into the city for a week and going out and eating good food and, and the hustle of it all. It's, it's nice for me personally, though. This is where I operate better. Kyle, thank you yeah. so much for, for your time. I apologize for keeping you from your family. Go get to your kids. So I literally am here by myself. 
Oh, okay. My kids were at school. My kids, it was like one of those things where my kids had to go to school and I was getting them off to school. And then it's just been like such a hectic week. And I sat down and I started watching a movie and I zoned out and I totally spaced on, on this. Cause I was like, I have it written down and taped to my kitchen cabinet and i just didn't check today and i'm so sorry i hate being late it makes me feel so bad thank you kyle Um, Uh, extra punishment 10 seconds dinner in america smile and what's the third movie that our fellow cinephiles should watch this year jesus uh band of robbers god i love that movie so much so i love band of robbers take care buddy and uh hey next time we talk i promise i'm gonna go on some hikes so Dude, I would love it. And if you're ever out this way, let me know. I'll take you on some mics. Oh, done. All right. Yeah. <laughs> thank, for real. Thank you, man. Reach out. Hit me on Instagram or whatever. And we'll stay in touch. We'll do. Take care, man. Bye. Bye, brother. Bye. Bye. So uh, first off, Mark, going all the way. I've been doing this for so long that I actually remember watching going all the way at a screening room. Do not know which screening room it was, but I remember the PR people, whoever they sent me a going all the way soundtrack to accompany my review and whatnot. I even, for, I, I forget if there was some kind of press junket. I remember loving the soundtrack and being introduced to some music of the day and also really appreciating the coming of age story. I was probably in my early, uh, early to mid twenties then, but now at 51 seeing it, it's just so much more um, of a deeper film. And, and I, so can you speak to that? Yeah. Two different yeah. filmmakers. Who, who were you writing for? Who were you? Uh... I, I worked for Westwood One for about um, about 19 years. So I, I used to do a radio prep service for them. So going all the way was part of it. I really remember enjoying it. I'm a huge Leslie Ann Warren fan. So really, I think if I, if I only had a complaint one time, I said, I wish there was more Leslie back in the day. So, but now it's great. There's so much more extra footage. And, uh, but just- yeah. Can and you so speak? You probably came to the press junket at like the Four Seasons or something like that. And yes, yes, it's um, it's those yeah. days. I love oh my- those days. We've we've kind of like I'm a little bit older. I'm sixty, but I think we, you know, the same kind of arc, right? You're in your early twenties. I was in my early thirties. I make the film, a book I read from age thirteen on. Read it every year, dog eared, like just loved it, loved it, loved it, and say. This is going to be my first movie and go through the process of get Dan Wakefield to write it, make it, get funding, be able to cast who we want as long as we cast two names as the women, right? And auditioned all sorts of crazy people for the roles. Like just got to meet everybody, every young actor at the time, get to make it shoot it in the city where it took place, get the writer of the novel to write the screenplay, and it comes to life in front of you, and you shoot 30 days, 135-page script, you're like, what? And then edit it and get it to Sundance, and you sell it, which is a miracle, because that's all it was at the time was about, is like, can you sell your movie? Is it get out there? And so the movie that came out in 97 was like, at the time, I was like, I was happy with it. And the, the stuff that was lifted out to get the link, the beard sequence and the quarry, it hurt. But at the time, like, it wasn't in my control, but it wasn't some fight about, like, oh, you took it away. Every choice, it's incremental along the way, right? Every choice is like, well, we don't maybe need this, or how about would the movie be like this? But over the years, I always said, like, mm, performances were good. The movie, 
is never the movie was never as good as the book was to me right the book in my love of the book i always felt like privately it was a little bit of a failure a little bit of like a uh, you know, it's kind of like semi-successful, but kind of a lot of first-timer mistakes, a lot of lessons learned, right? So you'd go make really, really work hard on Arlington Road, and like, okay, you get better, you get better. In each film, you get better, but new challenges and new things. Mixing tone, balancing tones, like, wow, I got a lot better at mixing comedy and drama in later films, but still realized, I'm not Hal Ashby. I never will be Hal Ashby, but or Cameron Crowe, right? Or Sam Mendes. But you have to be yourself and you grow as an artist and as a man and then you go through loss and joy and all these things that you learn. So the scene of like Sonny and his mother talking about age and getting older, wow, what that meant to me at 34 my father had just died and I was getting ready to get married is different now than years later, right? Having a child, being a widower, like my parents gone, like chill. So I'm seeing the world through a different lens now, right? Because of time and life experience and everything to add on to that cinematic experience, artistic experience, maturity, restraint, sometimes not restraint, sometimes go more, full circle the way I was in the 80s, experimental. So each thing kind of collides within itself that you apply to any piece you're doing, right? So this mistake of like, wow, finding the tape of the old editor's assembly, giving it to Leo Trombetta, the original editor, putting it on a drive and saying, Leo, why don't you look at this? Him saying, hey, I think I've been tooling around with it. What do you think? We're like, wow, that's great. What do we do with it? Cut to doing some work on Mothman Prophecies TV version. Say to the people that own the rights, you know, you got this Ben Affleck movie that nobody ever saw. Right? Nobody ever saw this movie. Uh, and they're like, oh, that's interesting. Dollar signs, maybe. Connect to, hey, you should meet Oscilloscope. They've been doing 90s edits, re-releases of 90s movies. Hmm, maybe they'll like it. Show it to them. Show it to some people. Sure. If you can do it for this price, that's my middle name. Of course we can, right? By hook or by crook. You're saying I have a chance to release a new version of my first film, a re-edit, right? Yep. Okay, I'm going to put new score in it. Great. I want to put new titles in it. Great. It's your version of it. So the creative freedom... And the opportunity, all it relied on was my hard work and tenacity to like go find every scrap of film and just push this project along from where really one guy, Dan Berger, at Oscilloscope, and me were really the only two people who really cared about doing it. Lakeshore, who won the rights, so they didn't care. It didn't make fiscal sense for them. But push, 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 push to make it happen. And sure enough, now, 4K restoration, a version of the film that's really a better version of the story interpreting the book. Um, Dan Wakefield, the writer, is 90. He got to see it before Glaucoma has taken his sight, and he loved it. Wow. And, that that uh, must mean so much to you. 
Oh my God, it's incredible. That's full circle. It's like the love to be able to, he gave me this gift of this novel 46 years ago. 46 years ago, I read the novel for the first time. And now to be able to come full circle and tell it um, now with Leo and with Pete Adams, the composer and all the people has been just, it's a, you know, whatever. It's like a redo. It's a miracle, right? So, you know, it's a, it's a, um, I mean, people don't get a chance to redo their first movie, right? Do they? Yeah. I mean, usually? Yeah. Really. You know, me living in Culver City, watching your film, and I, I I never did read the book, but watching your film, when I thought going all the way, me at 27, 28 was thinking about how does a young guy get to seduce women and actually come of age as a man. But now for me, going all the way regarding your cut, it's just how, how does Sonny re-engage in life with tragedy and loss? behind him and maybe even moving forward i mean it it must feel great for you as an artist to actually learn those facts and and then craft your tools as a filmmaker but for me as a cinephile watching it i realized that you know i lost my father in 2016 and i have a deeper understanding of your movie i mean it, sometimes i do you ever sometimes you you were ignorant and you could turn back time and go back to where you you didn't have that profound sense of what the story was you know what i'm saying like there's a bittersweet and, kind and, of sacrifice yeah, you only know Look, you only know what you know at the time, right? And that's, and you make the choice based on what you know. And let's hope 20 years from now, I can make a movie and that'll be the accrued wisdom or experience or, or whatever. I've made some stuff in the last couple of years that's really dark and really experimental and really pushing the envelope, like in a way that I used to do, like in my, 20s at mtv it's just this newfound like confidence and uh, many more movies i want to make as the business changes and it's harder and harder to get them made you can't just say oh i want to go make that like okay what does that mean how do you get it financed who's going to be in it like it's tough it's a tough time to make movies right to make movies that mean something so to just get a chance to do this and like okay let's start by re-editing this one Right. And like, who knows? Maybe somebody sees it. I hope people see it as a as a new movie because you're you saw it originally, but most people did not. And most of the people who will see this now will just look at it as a new movie. Oscilloscope's like, we don't care about the old movie. This is a new movie, right? This you is know, a Mark, in fairness though, if people who haven't seen your movie actually see your movie with this re-edit, is there value added? after watching this version, your current version, to go back and watch the original as far as you're talking about Fuller Circle, or do you think this is just the version, don't worry about the earlier version? What is your state of state on that? I'd say go go read the book. Go read the book. Because they, you'll, you'd be like, you could watch the old version and be like, oh, wow, there's another scene of the mother doing that repetitive. There's a character of a preacher that the mom brings over to try and like teach Sonny to stop masturbating. Okay. Mm, what's more interesting, that or Gunner growing a beard and the anti-Semitic accusations and the his journey and them going to the art museum again and going to the pool, right? Well, that says a lot more about the 50s than this preacher and the quarry and restoring the quarry and the fire and these things that weren't in the movie, like it's just it's it's much deeper. It's longer. It's twenty five minutes longer. It's 
30 minutes longer than what was released. So it's, but it's, so it's deeper and richer and more complete. So if you watch the other one, you'd be like, yeah, it just would feel like, yeah, okay, yes, I know that. I know that thing. Oh, that's it. It would probably be like, wow, that's cool. That's a good scene. I get it. But you'd be like, you'd be like, oh, where's that? You know, if you had seen the, you'd be like, oh, wait, a whole beard? And you realize, wow, editing, you can lift something out and you never know it's missing, right? If you didn't know it was there, right? You didn't know that he went and grew a beard. He went from what's Sonny doing to, hey, you should meet my friend. uh, Marty's got a friend, Gail Fair. But so less scenes with Marty, less, you know, just you don't know what's missing. Mark, not like you have any time, but you have an extensive archive dating back years and years. And you're great. I've listened to you on various podcasts. You're great in them. Have you ever thought of doing your own podcast for as far as just like as a deep dive PSA for, for cinephiles, just to really analyze your work or just your filmmaking journey? Because that would be catnip for, for I think so many people just throwing that out there. Have you ever entertained it? I guess. No, nobody's ever brought it up. I wouldn't even know, you know, I mean, I know people that do some podcast studios. And I, I I would love to do it because I could talk to people, you know, about their work and connection to my work. And, you know, just like whether it's a musician or different people, there's a lot of people that I would love to talk about the creative process with. And, you know, and I don't, I don't know the idea of uh, you're the first person that's brought it up. Would people want to, you know, would they be interested? You know I, mean, I mean, it's first, it'd be great for, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just thinking as a listener, not as a producer, but as a first, just a first person narrative on your, on your journey, just with other filmmakers. I mean, just the thing you did on the movie crypt talking about how music video is in, in a way lost its art form. I, I could have listened to 90 minutes of freaking that, or maybe a, a deep dive into the Mothman prophecies and why over the years it continues to gain, gain momentum from, from cinephiles or just, I mean, so well, many yeah. different things. I mean, yeah. whether they're interested in me or how I could contextualize it. So it's using my, journey to explore other things like okay the the culture of music videos or being ahead of your time or what is the relationship between a dance film and a music video and a documentary i think you know i've been i had written a book that is supposed to be published and it's about my process of making all these things in different mediums over the years it's called the visualist and the idea was like, and the, he did mention, oh, maybe there's a podcast idea where, great, and you just you can use the frame of that book, say, I'm going to get Jeff Bridges, you know, just call people you've worked with and they just say, do this thing. And maybe I don't know enough about podcasts, like how do you structure it or what would you do? Or, um, but certainly there'd be a lot of different people that I've worked with or experienced that I could probably bring in or you know designing what that could be bring somebody in then bring somebody else in and let them talk and then we share and then you hand off to the next person and that becomes half of the next show that would be that would be fun that would be fun to do you know i'm sure there's yeah that i i just hope one day it comes to fruition i you'd have so many things to do but you know what before i let you go you have a really extensive resume for our cinematics listeners can you name one one film, along with going all the way, um, that you would recommend for us to watch, that, a film of yours that you feel is a little bit underrated and should definitely um, merit to watch in a discussion. I Melt With You. Oh, I've never seen that. What Was that 
2011, 2012. When was that? 2000, around that time? Was that? Yeah, my fault. That wasn't who started that. I think that wasn't Piven, right? Tom Jane, Rob Lowe. Tom Jane, yeah, yes. Highly polarized, excoriated at Sundance. Like, oh my God, you would have thought that I just burned people alive with how much people hated that movie. Wow. It's one of my favorite films. It's growing in its little appreciation now. Right. Okay. Like okay. that movie and my 2018 movie, Nostalgia, I love, but those were probably the least seen. Okay. Nostalgia and, was with John Hamm and Catherine right. Keener, Bruce Dern. I love both of them. Yeah. I mean, uh, and also last question is right off as a cinephile, right off the top of your head. And this is a very impossible question. Can you name one of your all time favorite films? And I, again, I apologize. And what is it about this movie that, that resonates with you just as, as a movie fan? Just one, not not the only one, but one of your favorites. All the President's Men, Blue Velvet, Jaws, those three for all for different reasons. I mean, All the President's Men is just it's like the perfect movie. Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction is the perfect movie. Right? It's just like it's yeah. literally the way it's built. Um, I mean, all I have tons. I have tons that I will go back. I just watched Cold War for like the Fourth time, I'm like, I love oh that God, film. Discovering new things about that film, it's an amazing film. Um, yeah, I loved uh, Decision to Leave and Tar, and um, those are my two films. And th- I go to the movies all the time. Um, I really liked Emily the Criminal. I like Aubrey Plaza, and you know, I was never really into fantasy or like growing up. I was never into like that kind of thing. I was like realism, Sidney Lumet. Yeah. Love Billy Wilder, um, Lynch, you know. Yeah. Samuel Fuller, you ever got to get to him? Sam Fuller is great. No, no, you know, I got to get turned on. I got to like do a dive on that. That's amazing. But like, yeah. I, I was probably in my 30s before I discovered Cassavetes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Oscilloscope, going all the way, the director's edit, where can people find it? I think you did a Q&A the other night, but is it is it rolling out? And and please, for physical media enthusiasts like me, is there a prayer that maybe one day it will come out on the physical medium? Okay. There is going to be a Blu-ray that has deleted scenes, the f- final film, all the deleted scenes that were in the original cut, a three-hour making-of documentary about the original version, the restoration, et cetera, tons of other stills, rare ephemera. There will be a beautiful Blu-ray package that comes out and it's being released in about 10 cities. It starts now in LA. There's some dates next week at the Lemley Royal, Glendale, then it's going to New York, December 16th. And um, you know, I would think people probably go to the Oscilloscope website. That's probably the best way to find out. Or my social media, you know, Instagram and Facebook. I'll constantly just kind of post, um, you know, post what's going on and where it's going on. Mark, again, really love uh, going all the way. This Redux, second time around. Love the love both versions, but this was a deeper experience for me. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Real pleasure. Thanks for talking to you.